Hey, uh, welcome to Redemption Tempe. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are in week two of a series that we have uh, really creatively called Scandalous. And um, you are required to say it that way. Um, but what we essentially did was um, kind of see that in, in pop culture, Jesus is often portrayed as kind of... Uh, kind of a hippie who, who loves babies and kisses grandmas and, and kind of just this all, hey, we're just all in this together kind of guy. And we thought, oh, you know, that was seriously, you know, a big part of who he was. But he also said some things that were a little uncomfortable, a little hard. So we thought, let's do a hard sayings of Jesus series. And then the, the creative artist types got it and they're like, it's scandalous. So, uh, so that's the series. And we're in week two and we will be in Matthew chapter seven. If you need a Bible, slip up your hand. Guys will come and give you a Bible. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this Bible. It's yours. It's our gift to you. If you do own a Bible, um, just put it back on the rack on your way out. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and 23 is going to be the main focus. We are going to start in verse 13. And all week long, I struggled with this message. I struggled to, to, to kind of figure out how to do it and how to make it interesting and how to nuance it and give some depth to it. Um, and what I realized was that this is a very straightforward passage. Very straightforward. Jesus doesn't mince words here, and so I don't need to mince words for him. He is very direct. He isn't kind of deep and nuanced and all over the place, and so I don't need to be for him. And so um, we're going to go straight at this. This is very simple. It's very straightforward. It's going to be one of the shortest messages um, you have ever heard from me, and do not cheer. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 13. I think that was one of our pastors. Okay. Uh, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, this very difficult thing doesn't just kind of come out of nowhere. Jesus doesn't just roll up on a group of people and be like, hey, by the way, there's two ways. One's narrow uh, and very few people go on it, but it leads to life. And one's really wide and lots of people are on it, but it leads to destruction later, right? Like there, there's some context to it. And basically what we are walking in on is the last third of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Right? So the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5. It's all of chapters 5, 6, and 7. And we're just walking in on the last 15 minutes, which um, actually happened at the 10 o'clock service. Someone walked in for the last five minutes of the sermon. I'm like, you're getting all the hellfire and none of the funny and witty and all that stuff. So it's just a bad time to walk in on a sermon. But what we're getting essentially is the so what. Right? The end of every sermon. If you've been in church long enough, um, you, you know that the end of every sermon is the so what. Like, what does this mean? Why does this matter? What do we do? That's what we get here at the end of chapter 7. So all of the Sermon on the Mount, it's the longest sermon of Jesus recorded in the Bibles. In, in the Bible, there's only one. Uh, <laughs> so we're straight there theologically. Uh, what we're getting is the end. So the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5 with the Beatitudes, which is, if you can think of it this way, kind of the values of the kingdom of God, right? The values of the kingdom of God. So Jesus starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, chapter 5, verse 3, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So he goes, here are all the things that we value, 
that we consider, if you've got these things, if you've got mercy and meekness and your um, hunger and thirst for righteousness and all these things, if you've got these, then you're blessed. We think, Jesus says, in our kingdom, you're blessed. Okay, and so he moves from kind of the values of the kingdom of God to the behaviors of the kingdom of God and spends the rest of chapter five and all of chapter six basically going, this is how my people live. Okay, this is very early in his ministry. He's setting the tone early going, listen, if you want to be my disciple, and there were thousands and thousands of people here as he's saying this, he's going, listen, I know I'm doing a lot of miracles and I'm doing a lot of fancy stuff and I preach real good and, and a lot of you guys are going to want to follow me, but let me be really clear. This is what that means. You, you've got to value these things and you've got to walk this way, live this way. This is what it means to be a part of my kingdom. Now he gets to the end and goes, now here's the so what. Not very many of you will do this. You're going to love my values and go, oh yeah, meekness, that's so good. And, and persecuted for righteousness sake, yeah, 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 we're in for that. And then you're gonna, I'm going to get through some of, the, some of the behaviors and how to live and what to do. And you're going to kind of go, oh, okay, well, maybe I like some of that. I'll do, I'll do pieces of that. And, and then Jesus gets in and goes, here's the deal. It's kind of all or nothing. You're in or you're out. And he goes, let's be honest, the vast majority of you aren't going to do this. Because the way is narrow, he says, and, and the, the people that go through it are very few. So there's another way, and it's very broad, and most everybody goes that way. Now, he, here's what's scandalous about this passage. <laughs> it's the third time I've said that. You didn't catch the first two? Like... Here's what's scandalous about that. I'm not going to use the accent anymore because it's, it's too much for some of you. <laughs> Jesus says there's two ways. Now, it's, it's very common to hear people say, well, I think there's a lot of ways to get to God, and you can go this path and this path to get to God, and they all end up at the same place. Okay. Jesus disagrees with you. Okay. He may be totally wrong, and you may have this whole life thing figured out. I'll admit that. Your, your, your ideas about life may, may be right, but Jesus, for whatever that's worth, Jesus disagrees. Jesus says there's basically two paths. There's the people that follow me and, and, and embrace my kingdom and embrace my kingdom values and embrace my kingdom behaviors and pursue what it means to be my disciple, Perfectly? No. But you're pursuing Jesus, and he goes, and those people find life. Life here on this earth, a blessed and, and satisfied and joy-filled life, but it's not without its obstacles, it's not without its trouble, because those, those people that follow me find life. He goes, and there's one other path, and it's a big old path. And every ism, every philosophy, everything that you've heard, every thought that you've had, every end that you think is good, everything else falls in this other path. There's a lot, a lot of people that go down this path. And he goes, and I'll be honest, that, end, that ends in destruction. So, yes, there are a lot of paths, and yes, many of them do end up in the same place. In fact, all of them end up in the same place except one. All those paths, but, but that place is destruction. Pain and suffering and judgment and consequences and all the things that the rest of the, Jesus says in other places, right? But here he just says destruction, which seems bad enough not to 
have to add all the other words. This is scandalous for us. Wildly unpopular. But this is what Jesus said. And if you're here today and you are a Christian, and you go, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. You, you are self-selecting, saying, I want to declare that I'm a Christian. We as Christians have to take the Bible seriously. We have to take Jesus seriously. At some point, if, we, if we're kind of going through it and we go, oh, Jesus said something about love. Oh, I love Jesus. And then he says something about not lying to get ahead. And we go, ooh, maybe. And then he says something about not sleeping around. And we go, nope. And then we get to something that, it, at some point, Jesus goes, here's the deal. I love you. But stop saying you follow me. You're following yourself. And you're kind of dipping into some of the things I said when it happens to overlap with the things you like. But that's not following me. Following me is when I say something that you don't like, you do it anyway because you really believe that my way is the right way. That's what it means to follow me. So I, I, I know that a lot of you here are Christians. I know that there are a lot of you here who are not Christians. And, and there's everything in between. Some of you have been Christians for 30 years. Some of you are not Christians and you don't like God and you're not interested in Jesus and you're here because of a girl. I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I mean, I hope she doesn't date you, but I'm, I'm glad you're here. And, and I hope you stay. And I hope that something about this Jesus stuff captures your attention. But I just want the Christians to know and those of you who are here are not Christians, I want you to know this about Christians, that, that Christians take Jesus seriously. Followers of Jesus take Jesus seriously. And so when we encounter passages like this one, we can't just kind of go, oh yeah, we'll go to the next paragraph. Because the next paragraph gets worse. And the next one gets worse, and the last one is the worst of them all. Okay? So you're going to have to skip a lot to get again to something you like. We have to take this seriously. And what Jesus says is, there are two gates, two paths, two ends, one is life and one is destruction. Now, the means by which we get into those are following, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, this section right here is the only section that's not totally about you. Okay, and I, and, I, and I should have started with this because the beginning of chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, say, Judge not that you be not judged, for the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. And he says, why would you look at the speck in someone else's eye when, when you've got a log in your own eye and all those kinds of things? Here's why I think Jesus leads this so what section by saying don't judge others. Because our propensity in these moments when we're hearing like, hey, there's two ways and are you sure? And, all, and we, we go, oh, you know who needs to hear this message? My friend. 
My mom needs to hear this, my dad, my kids, my brother, my gossip partner, whatever it is. Like there, there's, there's always somebody else who needs to hear this message. And so here, here's what I want to really, really emphasize. This message is about you. Jesus is talking to you. This is not for someone else, it's for you. I just looked at everybody. <laughs> it's about you. Now, this section in particular is the only part that's kind of not completely about you. It's about who you have chosen to follow. And Jesus goes, listen, maybe you didn't know this, but there are bad spiritual leaders. Right? So he's already established the fact that there are two paths, one path that ends in life, one path that ends in destruction. The, the life path, the good one, is very narrow and very few people go on it. The path that leads to destruction is very wide. So there, there are already two options here, and many of us would reject that or very, be very uncomfortable with that idea that a lot of people are going to end in destruction. Okay, I get that, but we're just going with what Jesus said at this point. Now, he says, there are many leaders who lead down these various paths. There are some leaders who lead you down the narrow path, and there are a lot of leaders who lead you down the wide path. He says, it's on you because everybody's following somebody, right? Everybody's following somebody, and it's on you to decide who you're following. So the question is, where are your leaders leading you? Are they leading you towards Jesus? Are they speaking truth into your life? Are they doing it with grace? Do they love you? Are they caring for you? Are they leading you to be more like Jesus? Are they pointing you to Jesus? Or are they pointing you to themselves? Now, some of you are, are here from another church and you're visiting, and some of you are trying to figure out if this is going to be your church. Some of you, this has been your church for a really long time. It is your job to watch the life of the leaders. And, and Jesus goes, listen, it's really easy. You can recognize it. It's okay to go, that's a bad leader because they bear bad fruit. So goes, there's, there's more twos here. Two trees, two types of fruit, two types of leaders. One leader that leads to life, one type of leader that leads to destruction. Who are you following? A leader that points you towards Jesus or a leader who points you towards themselves or who points you towards legalism, moralism, religion or the worst of all, somebody who points you towards yourself. That's the worst. There is nobody more unfit to lead you than you. You make a terrible self-leader because you will never contradict you. You will never speak truth boldly to you. You think you are pretty good. We need leaders. So I don't want to push on this too hard because I'm the leader. <laughs> and I don't want you looking at me that closely. So let's keep moving. We'll get this back on you. Verse 21. This is where it gets even harder. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So let, let's, just, let's just back up, because I know this has been a lot for you, and I'll just warn you, it just keeps getting worse. So if you need to leave now, leave now. He starts by going, there are two gates. 
One good, one bad. One that leads to life, one that leads to destruction. There are two types of leaders. Leaders that lead you to Jesus and then life, and leaders that lead you towards a bunch of other things, but ultimately destruction. Now he narrows the pool even more to say, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, not everyone that goes, Jesus, Jesus, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that comes to church and goes, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Not everyone who goes to Bible study and goes, well, Jesus, Jesus. Not everyone who in their personal devotion times goes, Jesus, Jesus. Not not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes, there's going to be some people who spend their whole life going, oh, I like Jesus. Jesus is great. I like to follow Jesus, and I like to listen to Jesus, and I like to do what Jesus tells me to do, all the while talking about Jesus as they just walk merrily down the broad way through the big gate to destruction. The whole time they'll go, oh, Jesus, Jesus, and they're going to get to heaven, and somebody's going to go, well, why should I let you in? And they go, well, I know Jesus, just name dropping. And Jesus is going to go, ah, I don't know that person. A lot of us like to name drop celebrities that we think we know. I'll just tell you, none of those celebrities know who you are. There is not a single celebrity that knows anyone in this room. Okay, just a little bit of straight truth from Uncle Justin that's just not happening, okay? Jesus goes, don't don't just drop my name. If If there hasn't been any actual relationship, there's not any demonstration of relationship, you're just saying my name. Anybody, anybody can say they're a Christian. In fact, a whole lot of horrible things have done by, have been done by people who have gone, oh yeah, Jesus, Jesus, murder. Jesus, Jesus, genocide. Jesus, Jesus, war in the name of Jesus, Jesus. There's a whole lot of horrible things that have been done by people who go, Jesus, Jesus. That means nothing. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There's your criteria. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, this is not without context. Jesus has just spent the first two-thirds of his message talking about what that is. He just went through not only the Beatitudes, but then went through a lot of the kind of big categories of the moral law and gone, hey, I know that you Jews have grown up thinking that um, you can't commit adultery, and I think everyone would kind of agree it's probably regrettable to cheat on your wife. Jesus goes, that's, that's good. I'm glad you're not cheating on your wife. But the reality is that if you want to and you've thought about it and you've fantasized about it, you've basically done it in your own heart. He goes, you know, you guys all believe you shouldn't murder. Nice work. That's really admirable. But, but you harbor anger and bitterness and you hate people. He says, you basically murder them in your heart. What you've experienced in here, it's only a matter of time before it manifests itself to some degree. Murder has at its genesis anger and bitterness. Jesus, as always, is going, some of you can discipline yourselves to to seem, to, to appear okay and righteous, but there's a whole lot of garbage going on in here. And so you're going, Jesus, Jesus, but day in, day out, you are not following me. You're not following me. 
So the people that go, Jesus, Jesus, go, man, I don't want to go to hell, so Jesus, Jesus, I really need help in this situation. Jesus, Jesus, I need some blessings. Jesus, Jesus. But a lot more people like Jesus than follow Jesus. And he simply says, listen, the demonstration of your faith is obedience. That's the demonstration of your faith. Do you actually trust me? Here's why that's true. Here's why obedience is the demonstration of faith. Because if you actually believed, and remember uh, three weeks ago, I think, I, I, I showed you the, the greatest illustration of all time. It blew everyone's mind. Remember? I said, repent and believe is I'm going in this direction. I recognize this direction leads to destruction. Like Jesus said, I turn, and that's repentance, saying that's not it. Jesus is it, and I'm going to pursue Jesus. Remember when I turned and everyone's mind blew, right? That, that's what Jesus goes. Listen, he's going, if you really trust me, if you really believe in me, if you are really following me down that narrow path, everyone will be able to see it because you'll do this. I trust that Jesus is who he said he was. I, I trust that what Jesus said is true. I believe that what Jesus said leads to life will actually lead to life. I believe that the, the behaviors and the lifestyle that Jesus outlined are actually what's best. So ultimately, to use kind of Christianese, it's trusting Jesus to be your Lord, not just your Savior. Not just your get out of hell free, not just your get out of trouble free, but to actually go, no, I actually trust Jesus to the point that I will willingly submit my life to him. And he will be my Lord and I will be his servant. He will be my master. Okay? And you, you trade one master for another. Now, some of you are thinking, I ain't got no master. Everyone has a master. This is not, I'm a free agent, totally independent, and I'm going to choose to take on a master. Everyone has someone or something that defines reality for you, that sets your values, that defines your behaviors, everyone. And so repentance and belief, what, what Jesus is saying is demonstrated here in obedience is going, that master is going to lead to destruction because he's leading me down that broad path. This master loves me. This is a true Lord who will care for me and I'm going to follow him down the narrow path because I believe what Jesus says that his path leads to life. Not just eternal life, but deeply satisfying, profound life here on earth as well. Okay, so he goes, this is how you know. This is how you know if you are my follower. Do you obey me? Do you obey me? He goes on. It gets harder. Verse 22, on that day, meaning there will be a day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is really hard. Now we've got people who do really good ministry that don't know Jesus. People who are prophesying, going, Jesus, Jesus, prophecy. Jesus, Jesus, casting out demons. I mean, 
my guess is very few of you have cast out any demons today. This is big stuff. This is serious ministry. He's going, yeah, you know what? It doesn't mean anything. Ultimately, it might, but in and of itself it doesn't. Now, this begs the question, why would God choose to do something crazy through a non-Christian? And the answer is, I have no idea. Because there was a moment where God wanted to do a thing and he chose to use whoever was there for his purposes. But that doesn't mean that that person's walking down that path. Now, there is some good news in this, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had, founded, had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Um, Jesus was in Galilee as he's um, teaching this message. And all around the Sea of Galilee was this sand. And in the summertime, the sand would get really hard to where it would feel like hard ground. And if you, Jesus is going, you guys know, because you live in Galilee, that if you build a house on this sand, that in the wintertime, when it starts to rain, the sand gets soft and the house doesn't, isn't stable and it'll blow over. You guys know that it's actually two or three feet down that the real foundation is and you got to dig down to that, to that which is real, to that which is solid, to that which is secure, to that which you can anchor your life to, so that when the rain comes and the storm comes, which it inevitably will, you won't get blown away. Because you've anchored your soul to something eternal, something meaningful, something life-giving. So Jesus ends by going, listen, this isn't just me randomly demanding a certain lifestyle out of you. It's not like I made a list of the 10 hardest things to do and said, yeah, this is what my real followers have to do. He goes, I created the universe. I sustain the universe. I designed it to be experienced and lived out this way. Follow me. This way may seem harder than this way. Because all of your life you've been convinced that this is good and this is right. But I'm telling you, this is good and this is right. This brings joy. That may bring fleeting happiness. This brings satisfaction. That might feel good for a minute. This brings eternal life. This ends in self-absorption, narcissism, and destruction. And Jesus is really clear. Really straightforward. Build your house on the gospel, the rock, and things will go well for you. You will experience life. Life. Now, as I, as I first encountered these scriptures, I, the, the question I asked myself is, why would the way of grace be so narrow? Why is it that people, when when confronted with the gospel. I mean, the gospel really is good news. The gospel is, listen, admit that you can't do it. 
Admit that you can never be good enough, that you can never be disciplined enough, that you can never avoid enough sin. Admit that the wet, everything that you thought was right is wrong. Jesus already paid the price for you. All you have to do is admit defeat and pursue Christ. The hard work of death has already been done. The debt has been paid. You don't owe anything anymore. But you have to admit that, that you can't do it on your own. And then you have to give your life over the decisions and the values and the priorities and go, all right, Jesus, what you say is good is good, and I trust that. I really trust you in that. And then we walk down this hard road. And I know there's moments where we must think, how can Jesus ask me to walk down a harder road? Well, the reality is Jesus is the only one who can ask you to walk down a harder road. Because there was no harder road than the road he walked down. There was no narrower path than the one he walked. He's the only one to have walked down that path. He's the only one to have encountered and overcome that suffering and those obstacles. To die the death we were supposed to die. To endure the spiritual and physical pain that is the consequence of sin. And to do it for us. So he, he's the only one that can tell us to walk down that road. You know why? Because he's at the end of the road looking back saying, come. So, so many other leaders and so many other teachers are at the beginning saying, go. You should do that. You should go there. Jesus stands at the very end of all ends and says, come. Walk down this path. It's not nearly as hard or as narrow as the one I walked down. I made a way for you. So there are times when the scriptures give us an opportunity for self-reflection. And so I think that this is one of those times. I think that this is a moment for us, no matter who we are in here, to do some self-reflection. For some of us, the question we need to answer for ourselves is, upon what foundation have we built our lives? What leader are we following? Who, who decides what we care about and what we value? Who dictates our behaviors? Somebody is, or someone, something. Who? What, what have we put our trust in by offering our lives to? For some of us, the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I just saying Jesus, Jesus? Am I walking merrily down the broad path and just kind of adding a little sprinkle of Jesus to it? Because Jesus says, many people will go down that path. Many people will walk down that broad path and just add a little Jesus, Jesus to it. That's a question that we can only answer for ourselves. Don't try to answer that question for anyone else. Answer it for you. And longevity doesn't mean anything. Just because you've been walking down that path and saying Jesus, Jesus for 30 years doesn't mean you're not still just on that path. And then there's some of us in here who are walking that hard path. We've chosen the narrow way. And we're making sacrifices. And we're pursuing Jesus. And we need to be encouraged by this. That Jesus says, this is the way the wise man goes. 
This is the way of life. This is the way of deep joy and satisfaction. This is the way, and, and, and it may seem trite or simple in our day, but this is the way of heaven. And, and we should be encouraged because some of us are down that path and we're looking at friends on the other path going, that seems way easier, man. But Jesus says it's not. Jesus says it's the path to destruction. Destruction now and destruction ultimately. Jesus says, you're on the right path. Stay on the narrow way. It may seem hard, but I'm there. At the end, I'm there every step of the way. And we can do this. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you for passages like this or, that are abundantly clear. There's a lot of deep things. There are a lot of deep things in the scriptures that um, aren't as clear. There's a lot of things that are hard and muddled, difficult to understand. This is not one of them. You say very clearly, there are two paths, a path of life and a path of destruction. There are two gates, a gate of life and a gate of destruction. There's two kinds of leaders. There's two kinds of trees that bear two kinds of fruit. There are two kinds of disciples who will stand before you at judgment day. One that will find on that day life and one that will meet destruction. Jesus, I pray today that you would move in our hearts, that we would choose the path of life, not just once, but we would choose the path of life every day. This is not a one-time decision. This is a decision that we make hundreds of times a day to actually believe that what you said about this world is true. Even those of us who have ultimately chosen to follow you, we've all spent plenty of time on the other path, effectively disbelieving what you've said about our world. Lord, I pray that we would pursue you every day trust you not just as our Savior, but as our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.